Um, hi, how are you guys doing? Doing good. Awesome. If any of you in the back want to move forward, that's totally fine. I would love to spit on you from up here. That would be great. Um, so today I want to talk to you about something that has been a big part of my life lately. It's been something that I've had to pray about, think about, and struggle through for a while, and that's work and rest. So I'm going to be talking about that, and the reason this came to the forefront for me was because I was gifted after seven years working for a ministry with uh, a couple months time off. So that's called the sabbatical. And it was such a great gift. And here are some pictures from my trip. I went on a 25-day road trip with just me and my dog and got to hit the Pacific Northwest, go up the coast and go hiking and have lots of coffee and avocados and all my favorite things. Um, so this is one of, I have about 80 slides, so just settle in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, no, so I had a great time, and it was so it was so much fun, and I was so blessed to get to go on that trip. But I was really struggling to know how do I rest? What do I do? How do I do this right? How do I sabbatical? I don't know. This is very strange. And I found as I was preparing for the trip, half the time I was putting my hiking stuff in my car, and then the other way I would prepare was anxiously thinking, how do I tap into as much rest in this time as I possibly can? So the way I would describe like my internal anxiety in this, in this preparation time was, uh, think about you're, you're crazy hungry, and someone lets you into a grocery store and says, okay, you have five minutes, get all the food you're going to need for the next year because you got to store up, and then you'll be all charged up and ready to go. That's kind of how I was feeling. I'm thinking, I need to charge up like a battery, a year's worth of rest, and then that will get me through the rest of the year, right? That makes sense. No? Okay. So that's kind of how I was viewing it. And once I realized I have this inappropriate view of what rest should look like and how it should fit into the regularity of my life, I realized I needed to go back to square one and really understand what is this command to honor the Sabbath, keep it holy? Um, what is this relationship between work and rest that God wants us to understand so much that he even modeled it for us in the very creation story? So let's take a look at that. Thus, the heavens and the earth were complete, completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So I know that rest is good, and how beautiful that God modeled it for me in the creation account. I know that the rhythm of work and rest is something that I should be seeking. So why do I feel like I'm doing it wrong, or why is it so difficult? So while I was thinking through and preparing for this message, I did not realize how common this question is, not just in the church, but in the world. Um, these are just three articles I stumbled across that came out just early this year that have to do with uh, millennials worshiping work and being miserable because we don't know how to stop working 
and why are we working so much? So I want to read you some of these things, and a lot of them are because the reality of the struggle of anxiety, depression, and burnout, and the world is trying to figure out why. So you're, this is pretty interesting, some of the stuff that they're theorizing. Uh, so let me read you this. A recent Pew Research report on the epidemic of youth anxiety asked teens what was important to them. Having a job or a career they enjoy was the top priority at 95%. This ranked higher than any other priority, including helping people in need, getting married, having kids, even making money. They don't care about making money. They want to find a great job. And finding meaning at work beat all of these out as the top ambition of young people. It's pretty telling. Um, but you would wonder why. Why is that such a huge priority? I'm essentially giving you a lecture now. So um, if you want to take notes and prepare for the quiz, by all means, go for it. Um, so here's another uh, quote from an article I read. Economists did not foresee that work would evolve from a means of material production to a means of identity production. Ooh. It would morph into a kind of religion, promising identity, transcendence, and community. And this guy is calling it workism. He's inventing a term for the worship of work. And he is noticing that this is happening, and it's happening in greater numbers. Another quote, workism is the belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose. Yikes. And here, the last thing I want to show you, just perfectly, cap it, it captures it perfectly. This is an ad that came out for, um, for a freelance organization, and it's Endures We Trust. You eat a coffee for lunch, you follow through on your follow through, sleep deprivation is your drug of choice, you might be a doer. So this is the world that we live in. This is the highest priority. To sum it up, a large part of society believes what we do isn't just what we do, it's who we are. And we're striving to have a great job or a great career because that means I'm great. I'm a great person. I have value. I have worth. I'm good. I'm accepted. So if that's what you're looking for from your work, how do you ever stop? How do you ever pause? How do you ever take a breath and say enough? If you're constantly trying to get a, a payoff that isn't just a paycheck, it's identity. It's acceptance. It's good enough, wanting to be good enough. Workism says my output is central to my identity, my community, my worth, my sense of meeting, meaning, not meeting. I know this is heavy, so here's another aspect of it for you. Uh, we are working so hard, we also want to work our way into looking like we're resting. Follow me here. There is a website called Fake a Vacation. And you can send in your picture, and they will put you on a vacation so that you can then show all your friends on social media how rested you are. So you, if you want to do that, by all means. Oh, that reminds me. Um, 
Pastor Nate isn't here this week because he actually is getting to live out one of his childhood dreams of being in Cirque du Soleil. So there's his vacation. I think he's, this is the safety first feature of that uh, stunt, whatever that is. Oh, and then I think he got a chance to juggle with somebody. And then here's some of his dance moves. Man, woo, look at that. Yeah, so anyway, fakeavacation.com. Um, so to get back on track, as a whole, we have a very unhealthy relationship to work. And here's why it's extra confusing. Work is good. Work is good. Paul tells the Thessalonians, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we did not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. Imitate me. Follow me. I am working hard, day and night, toiling. I want to serve. I want to earn my place. Follow me. Imitate me. I'm working hard. Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And again, in Colossians, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So work is good. Diligence is good. Hard work is good. It's good, but it's not the center. It's not the center piece or the focal piece. And I want to give you another visual as far as the center because I'm going to use this throughout um, throughout sharing with you today. Um, when I was a kid, I went to summer camp. Did any of you do kids summer camp? Yeah. So we did like an outdoor adventure camp. And one of the years we did flashlight tag. So it's pitch dark. And then they tell the kids to run as fast as they can into the darkness, into the woods, and just run and hide in the dark woods. I, I'm still wrapping my head around how that how we get away with that. Anyway, so I remember being like hiding and like shaking behind a tree, like praying that whoever found me was a flashlight and not a bear, like, oh my gosh. Um, so, uh, but, but I remember thinking it's okay because when the rule was once you were found or if you were the winner, we would all congregate around the campfire. So follow the light. It's like a beacon in the darkness. We all could see where it was. And when I was done being uncomfortable, being out from where I belonged, there was a place for me to go. That was where I belonged. That, was, that, was, that felt like home to me, that campfire. It's where I felt the most like myself. It's where I knew I was accepted. It's where I knew I had value. So I would say if that is how you would describe work for you, the place where you, the only place you feel meaning, the only place you feel valued, the only place you feel respected or truly yourself, then work is not in the correct spot it should be. It could be your central piece. It could be your focal point. It could be your campfire. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me? So, work is good, but it's not the center. I also know rest is good, but rest at the center is also bad because we don't worship rest. 
rest is a means of worship. Rest is a response. Rest is also uh, the beginning of where work comes from. But it's not the all and it's not the everything. So as I mentioned in the creation account, we had the six days of work and the one day of rest. So there was a balance there, right? We had a balance between work. We had a balance between rest. So we know that there has to be some sort of a healthy rhythm. There has to be some sort of a, a, a healthy plan in place of where I'm putting my time, what I'm doing. But even the healthy rhythm, if the healthy rhythm and the plan is the center point, it's good. It's not good. The healthy plan is good. This being a center point is not good. So the reason I brought this one up, it's kind of a nuanced uh, a nuanced point, but this is why I wanted to mention it. Uh, if I'm looking at my formula of six days and one day off to be the thing that restores me, it's the formula, it's the plan, that's why I'm getting restored, and that's what gives me meaning and worth, even Jesus rejected this kind of thinking. Jesus said, Sabbath serves the people, people don't serve the Sabbath. This mentality of my rhythm gives me life, that's where you're going to see stuff like the whole life balance jargon or you're going to hear people talking about self-care. And oftentimes it's not within a healthy context of work and rest. It's more this is my rigid plan that I have to adhere to. Now making a plan is good, but if it ends up, how do I, how do I want to explain this? If it ends up pushing people away instead of being something life-giving, that allows you to embrace them, then you're worshiping the plan instead of letting the plan serve you. Does that make sense? Okay. Also, we don't ever want to get to a point where we say, I earned my rest, so everybody back off. Guess what? That's a very secular belief. That's what vacation is. That's not Sabbath. Sabbath is a gift. Sabbath is where our strength for work comes from, not a rest that we've earned at the end of hard work. It's what fuels us to go through the week. It's not where we crash at the end of the week. Does that make sense? Sabbath is a gift. It's holy. And it looks like Jesus healing a shriveled hand. And it looks like the disciples grabbing a snack of grains as they're walking through a field. It's not the formula, it's not the work, it's not the rest. The true path to Sabbath is putting Jesus at the center and bringing everything into balance. Worshiping Jesus with my work, trusting him in my rest, and having the discipline when I'm working to think like he is my boss, and having the discipline when I'm resting to trust that he has everything taken care of. Ultimately, it's the faith in the work he completed. And now this is, this is some of the poetic symmetry that I absolutely love in scripture. Um, you have God the creator who did his good work and he, then he rested. He created and he rested. You have Jesus dying on the cross taking on the brokenness of creation 
and declaring, it is finished. The work is done, and now our souls can rest. You have Father God creating and resting. You have Jesus rescuing creation so his creation's souls can rest. Isn't that incredible? It's the sigh of relief. It's the praise of goodness. It's new life. It's restoration. And these three things, that sigh, that praise and worship, that new life, the restoration, those can guide us in understanding how do we Sabbath? How do we rest? What do we do? If you're like I was before my sabbatical, you're wondering, what's the plan? How do we put this together? So hopefully this will help you. I'm going to go through these three things with you. So the first is what I said, the sigh, the breath, stopping the work, laying down the plow, trusting that it is finished. God is your provider. Your worth isn't your output. It's your sonship. Your identity isn't in the doing. The identity is in your father. So I'm going to use this picture. Doesn't that look great? Don't you want to be there? Um, so here's a campfire with a couple people around it. And for some reason, the tent is glowing. I'm not entirely sure what happened. Um, so we're going to look and, you, and think about this campfire, this focal point, okay? So picture yourself at the campfire, and you're sitting there, and you're with Father God. I, when I'm thinking of this, I always think of myself as a kid. I don't know why. So I'm sitting there with Father God, and just sitting. And how many of you have been camping before? Most of you? Um, you know how quiet it gets? Just quiet. You can hear stuff that you never knew was out there. And you are pulled, you're pulling away from normal life. You don't hear phones. There's no televisions. It's just peace. So you're sitting there with him, and you've pulled, you've pulled away from the rest of life. In this moment, that's when, let's say you someone miraculously gets a cell phone signal and you can hear your phone ringing in the car or something. That's the choice of saying, oh no, that's not what I'm doing right now. This is what I'm doing. I'm sitting around the campfire. This is exactly where I should be. I am hitting all my objectives for those drivers out in the audience. This is exactly what I should be doing. And forsaking everything else to say yes to this. This is where I'm supposed to be. So that's that sigh. It's, that's the sacred, right? It's separate. It's different. It's outside of the normal. So you're sitting with your father and you're trusting him. Next is the thanking him. So imagine yourself sitting, sitting there with him. You're saying no to everything else just a, a companionable silence and then after a while thanks thank you for letting me come here thanks for being with me maybe thinking through the past week this was a hard week thank you for being my friend being present thank you for how beautiful it is here 
Thank you for keeping me warm and providing for me. Um, again, this is very simple, but it's the simple stuff's the best. It doesn't take complicated things. These are the things that restore a soul. Taking the time to reflect. And this is one of the most beautiful things, too, about um, us observing the Sabbath together here in the mornings. It's a great jumping off point for your time of restoration. Worshiping together with other people who can say, yes, he is faithful. Yes, I've seen it this week. I remember I was with a group of girlfriends one time, and we were struggling with something that was going on in, in a, a peripheral friend's life. And one of them was saying, did you hear about, um, did you hear about how I was struggling with this, with finances? And then um, my friend, like, she helped me out. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Then someone else had another incredible story. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling very well this week. And then, you know, my brother's family was in town and they took care of the kids. Wow, that's so great. And slowly, the testimony of God's faithfulness and provision, it just changed the entire atmosphere of the room. It just changed our whole perspective of what the rest of the week was going to look like. And there was hope that you can't fake because it's based on something real. And it's based on the presence and the goodness of God. So that praising piece, us doing that together. So again, you're there at the campfire and you're, you're sitting with him and you're talking to him. And then that next piece is that restoration. What, do you, what you do on your Sabbath, Sabbath should be restorative to your body, your soul, and your spirit. So maybe it's yoga. Maybe it's kayaking. I love kayaking. If anyone has a kayak they want to lend me, I am all for that. Just let me know. Um, maybe it's hiking or going to the ocean or reading. But it should feel like a luxury, but it's actually a necessity. So this isn't my own line. Um, I actually met with a counselor before I left on my sabbatical, and I was telling her how I was really struggling with feeling guilty going on my, on my break. And she was like, why do you feel guilty? I'm like, oh, it's such a luxury. It's like all this time off and no work and all this stuff, to like nothing to do. She was like, Stephanie, you've been burned out for a very long time. Um, you haven't taken a Sabbath like you should for a very long time. And this is not a luxury. This is essential. Rest is essential. Understanding your personhood before God is essential. It's not a luxury, but it should feel like one. Right? So as I became more comfortable in my time of rest on my break, uh, the, this was the other really interesting thing. I didn't become more selfish. I actually became more present and available to the people around me. So as I was being restored, and also just in the quiet, there were three times that I ended up having a meal and praying with someone who had lost a spouse in the last few years. I didn't plan it. I wasn't out to be a good person. I wasn't looking for ministry opportunities. 
It was a natural overflow of me being restored. As I was being restored, restoration was coming to the world around me. Isn't that crazy? That was one of my, and I didn't even realize it until probably a month later, and a friend asked me, what was the high point of your trip? And I said, I didn't even really recognize the person that I was. I was so present and so available to the people around me. I listened, and I interjected in conversations. Maybe that's called eavesdropping. I don't know. And it was also really easy for people to talk to me because I was with a really cute dog. And so they always kept coming up to me. But I was, it was just astounding to me. I, I don't think I'd ever experienced something like that where in the silence, love was speaking so loudly. So um, a truly restorative Sabbath means You're so restored by the presence of your Father that there's overflow of restoration to a hurting world around you. And again, it's not an agenda item. It's totally up to him. So if I'm going back to the campfire, we're sitting together, we're talking. This is the s'mores part. This is the restorative part. We're making s'mores. We're throwing stuff in to see what it does in the fire. You know you all do it. Um... We're doing fun. It's just fun. We're just having fun. And that, uh, that's the stuff of life, right? You're allowing yourself to be a child, not a slave, because you are free. Rest is a gift. Rest is something we should take seriously. It was commanded for our good, for God's glory. So I want to close And I'm closing early so that we can all rest today. So I want to close posing a unique question. What if we were the best rested people in Lincoln? This group right here, this church. And not because we had good boundaries and not because of anything other than we took the restoration from Sabbath seriously and that restoration spread out to the hurting people around us. God has uniquely called this body to share life, discover Jesus, and restore all things. Is that our mission statement? Yeah. Look to Sandy. She knows. Sandy knows everything. God has called this body to share life, discover Jesus, and restore all things. So what if that restoration of all things began here? Began on Sabbath. If we were truly people who remembered Sabbath, kept it holy, In a country who is increasingly worshiping work, it would be immensely counterculture. It would create space for our souls to be restored, and it would bring restoration to the world around us. And I know this has been a challenging word for me. Even though I've grown in this, this is something I I want to get serious about making a plan and not worshiping my plan, but making space to worship the God who fuels my work through my understanding and resting in my identity as a follower of Jesus who's accepted the finished work of Jesus, right? Let me pray with you guys.
God, we are so thankful for creation and the good work that you did in making everything lovely and good and of good report. Thank you for modeling rest for us and the rejoicing over good work that has been done. Thank you, Jesus, for the good work that you finished on the cross, that we can now find rest for our souls, asking the question, am I valuable? Am I good enough? Am I lovable? And to those, your act of love said yes. What a sigh of relief we can have to know that we can never work our way into your heart, can never work our way into goodness or worthiness. That work has been done. So Lord, as we are restored and we rest in that truth, let that be the fuel that takes us through a work week of diligence and through being present and available to a hurting world around us. Let this place be the start of that in Lincoln, God. Let this place be different than the world around us. Let this place be a place where our identity is so secure that we are able to offer security and love to the world around us. Lord, I just thank you again for your word, and um, we just celebrate you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.